Well, this morning, if you have your copy of God's Word, I invite you to turn to the book of Philippians, the New Testament. We are continuing our study there. Also, today is a very special day in the life of our church. As you saw, we had two baptisms. Praise the Lord for that again. Amen. <laughs> praise Him and praise, uh, praise the uh, individuals as well as they took their next step. But also, today is important for us because we have a deacon ordination. So we recently went through... We, brought on our three newest deacons, and one of them has never been one, and so today we will ordain him, and what an honor and a privilege it is for us to do that. Today I want us to look, and we're back where we were the last two weeks, believe it or not, but I want you to see, and, and, and what amazes me all the time is how God is always right on time, right? <clears throat> he, he lines things up. We couldn't make it up if, if we needed to, if we, even if we tried, and so I want you to look with me in the opening of Paul's letter to the church at Philippi, a church of which he uh, help birth, the, the spirit birthed through the preaching and teaching of Paul and through the persecution. It was birthed, it's 10 years later that he's writing back to them from prison. And the thing about the, the, uh, the book of Philippians is it's a book of joy. So isn't it fascinating that it's considered the book of joy, but it's written from the Apostle Paul in chains in prison to another church. And so here I want you to see this morning just some very simple truths that we, I want you to uh, see in God's Word. First and foremost, we see today in um, Philippians 1, 1 and 2, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and the deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Last week as we asked, what do you want for other people? What do you want for yourself? You know, isn't it telling us as he was writing this that his goal was that he wanted them to experience the grace and peace of God, that grace, that unmerited favor, that love that never ends, as we just sung about, but also the fact of that peace, that peace that surpasses all understanding. But what I find fascinating this morning as we get ready to or ordain Alex Key, and we're talking about a deacon ordination, look right here in the text. It's right here in the text that he's writing to the overseers and to the deacons. So first and foremost, I want you to see this morning that there is to be structure in God's house. That God is a God of structure, not of chaos. And, and I've, I battled with that this week as I was studying this. Like, okay, we're going to ordain Alex, and, and, and this is an important process of teaching you what it means to, to be a believer, be a part of the body. And, and, we, and, and you'll see in the message there are several things that are true about this process, about the structure of which God has aligned, but how does this apply for your life? And I think, as I just said, that God is a God of structure and not a God of chaos, right? Everywhere we look, not only in the church, outside in the world, if we go out today into nature, we see that He is a God of structure. He is a God of things that are lined up. They don't just happen by stance, and that He's not a God of chaos. So what I want you to see here in the text this morning is this, that he writes specifically to the overseers and to the deacons. There are two different levels. In essence, he's writing to the bishops or he's writing to the pastors, to the elders. And so there are the elders and there are the deacons. They're not this, they're this. Amen? This is what Scripture shows us. If you look at the Greek words, there are the elders, the pastors, and there are the deacons. And you'll see this because what do we see in the text? We see that the word deacon is deaconos. It is a word servant that they are to serve. So there is to be structure. We see that. And we see that they are to be selected. I want you to go back with me to Acts chapter 6 as we see here the seven are chosen. And we see in the book of Acts how this process began to work. And in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word to serve tables. 
Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will approve, appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the Word. That's what the apostles, that's what the evangelists, that's what the elders, the pastors are to be about, is preaching, teaching the Word of God, studying the Word of God. And then we see that Paul is calling, we see here in Acts that they're being called out to, to be servants, to serve tables, that it's not good for uh, someone to have to give up doing all of those things. The primary goal of a pastor, of an elder, is to study the Word, is to be in the Word. Now, I believe, yes, that is absolutely my call, and that is what I'm supposed to do. But also, I am a servant leader. I am not going to ask our people to do anything that I'm not willing to do myself. Right? I'm going to come alongside of you, and I'm going to serve alongside of you as well if I have the time, if I have the capacity. Right? Because you have to model, I believe, I'm going to teach you a little bit of leadership stuff this morning, I believe that you have to model the top what you want everybody else to see. I'm willing to get my hands dirty. This is not about me. I'm just telling you who, how God has wired me as a minister that I want to be involved. I want to be in the trenches. What do we see with Jesus? What did he do? That he had the 12, but he had the inner three or four, and so he walked with them, and so he did ministry with them. Sometimes they would watch as he did ministry. Then other times he would let them do ministry, and he would observe as they did it, and then he would do what? He would turn them loose. That's part of that discipleship process is that I'm going to bring you along with me, and, and just like our deacons, one of the things that we do as time, from time to time, if there's someone who's sick in the hospital, we'll, I'll call up one of the deacons or one of the men of the church and say, hey, will you go with me to go on this visit? What, what does that do? Well, that's, two, that's twofold. One, that gives us time to be able to spend with one another, probably to break bread, get to know each other a little bit more. But like Chris Plant, for example, even before he was a deacon, he went with me. We went to minister. And one way that he ministered was the man who we were ministering to, they had a connection. They were both in the military. Chris is a Marine, and he was in the Army. And so there was that, there was that lingo, that, that, thing, that thing that they had a commonality of, of serving our country, of, of sacrifices that their family had made, and so they could talk with one another. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. But look back in the text. And they, and they said, and what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith. And what's interesting here about Stephen is he's the only one we really know anything about. Right, And why is it the Holy Spirit gave us that picture of the fact that he's a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit? We don't have any other identifiers of the other men. Isn't that fascinating? The Holy Spirit, Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. And they sat before the apostles, and they prayed, and they laid their hands on them. And the word of God, listen, continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Listen, friends, ministry is not just for paid staff. Ministry is not just for the paid staff of the church. We're all called to ministry. We're not all called to be deacons, but we're all called to ministry. We're all called to the ministry of reconciliation. We're all called this morning as we baptized Paisley, as we baptized Drake. They were baptized. They were buried with Christ in, in a death like his. They were raised in newness of life. And so now, as they go out into the world, they're to reflect Jesus in their interactions and, and in, in their day-to-day -day life. But you know why? Because here's the thing. Paisley, Drake, they're going to interact with people that myself, Pastor Austin, some of our deacons, some of you in here today, you will never cross their path. 
When we begin to realize that, when we begin to live a life of, okay, God, use me for your glory. Yeah, we're all broken. We all have baggage. But God can turn your mess into a message. Amen? In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, very beginning of that second letter that Paul writes to the church at Corinth, he talks about the God of all mercy, the God of all comfort, that he has, in essence, comforted you, that you may comfort others. Right? Everything you've been through in your life is not for naught. It's not just because we work some... We worship some cosmic God that sits in the universe and says, I don't have anything else to do. I think they should deal with cancer. They should go through a divorce. They should go through this trial and turmoil. No, there are things in our lives, and those things make us and mold us. Your prayer should begin to be, Lord, make me, mold me into the man, into the woman that you would have me to be. Are you willing to pray a prayer bold enough like that? Lord, break me, mold me, and make me into the man, into the woman that you would have me to be. Can I tell you what, if you'll be pro brave enough to pray a prayer like that, it's not going to be easy. I prayed a prayer like that one time in my life. It was a rally cry as I stood before youth, and I said, hey, this is, this is our rally cry this year. Lord, break us, mold us, make us into the, the men, the women that you'd have us to be. And I got to the end of that year, and man, I was depressed. I was broken. I was ready to take my own life. But in that moment, God reminded me that he wasn't done with me yet. And guess what? Here's the thing, too, that he reminded me in that moment on that New Year's Eve. He reminded me of the fact that he gave me exactly what I wanted. He answered my prayer. See, we have to be careful what we pray because God might actually answer it. Amen? So what I want you to see here this morning is there's to be structure. That the men that they are to be selected, they are to serve, and they are to, ex they are to set the example. Listen, no church can rise any higher than the godliness of its leaders. You see, what we often forget on Sunday morning, we come to church, we come to a gathering much like this, and we focus so much on one individual day. Are you following Jesus on Monday? Are you following Jesus on Wednesday, on Thursday, on Friday? Are you following him throughout the week? Because listen, pastor that I know, he made this great statement, and it stuck. It was a zinger. It stuck with me. He said, why do we desire corporately and collectively what we don't desire personally and privately? That worship begins in our prayer closet with our door shut. Right? We come to church. God, we want to see you. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Is he welcome in your home? Is he welcome in your marriage? Is he welcome in your friendships and your relationships? Are you allowing him to speak in and through you to work through those situations? Like we talked about last week, sometimes there are times in our lives that we just need to surrender, that we're fighting battles that weren't ours that meant to be fought. And we need to turn that over to Him. Really quickly, I want you to see just a few thoughts that I wrote down in my notes. First off, deacons are selected by the people. Deacons are selected by the people or chosen by the people. It's from amongst the fellowship. Right, just this past summer we went through and, and we passed out a ballot and we let people nominate people for deacons. And then our deacons met and they looked at that list. And they looked at who, you know, obviously who got the most votes. It's not a popularity contest, but just because you might have the most votes, if you're not walking with Jesus and your life doesn't reflect him and you're not a faithful follower, then you, you don't deserve to be a deacon, amen? It's not a position of power. It's not a position of authority. We wonder why many of our churches and our communities are struggling and failing because we've given deacons power and authority they don't have, that they biblically don't have or should have in their, in their ministry. 
They're not power brokers in the church, y'all. I have been in churches where they'll take young men who they might not even really be walking with God, but, oh, we need a young man. Let's pull him out. Let's pick him. I've been in other churches where, listen, listen to this. I've been in other churches where there were men who served as deacons that would not take a key to the church because they didn't want the responsibility. Hold up. Like, you want to minister to my family and worry about my spiritual journey, but you're not willing to take the responsibility of having a key that you may be called that you have to, might have to go open the church? That you just want to come and walk in a room and be able to have your say and say what's supposed to happen? And then we wonder why God is not moving because we're hindering and quenching the Spirit of God. Secondly, deacons are to be men of godly character. Are they going to be perfect? Absolutely not. None of us are perfect. I'm not perfect. Y'all know that. I've been here for, I don't know, 17, 18 months. Y'all know I'm not perfect, right? It's the perfect Lord working in and through me. But are we humble enough when we mess up to own that, to own those decisions? As a man, actually, Jamie Elmore, as we rode to a funeral that I did on Friday, he talked about all of us mess up, but it's what we do once we mess up that matters. Deacons are to be humble. You've heard me pray a prayer similar to this as well. I must decrease, Lord, you must increase. They must be filled by and with the Spirit. They must have a consistent relationship with Jesus. And they must serve and be an example. You were called to be a servant. Actually, speaking of that, how about if I could, I would like for all of our men who are currently a deacon, if you will, please stand. So if y'all will... Um, actually, make your way down front real quick, just so everybody can kind of see y'all. Y'all come on down. Oh, there are deacons here. Yeah, he's a deacon, but he's visiting today. Here, come on. Come on down here. All right, we got Ryan. Just walk this way. Ryan, Kyle, Joey, Gordon. You rolled off, but that's all right. We'll let you up here. This is Mark, Kirby, Chris, Hans, and Chris. These are our deacons. Except Mark just rolled off. <laughs> but you're still a deacon. Once a deacon, always a deacon. All right, man, y'all can go have a seat. Y'all can go have a seat. And Alex Key will be up here in just a minute. Thank you. I just wanted the people to see you because one of the things we see sometimes I've heard from feedback is, you know, who is my deacon? How do I even know who they are? So we're working on some things that you can get to know them. But listen, deacons are called to serve and to be example. They're called to be a servant, not a boss. Jesus came to serve and not be served. Listen, as we look this morning, I want to just simply very quickly remind you of this truth, that the New Testament focuses more on the character of deacons and of elders than of the duties of deacons, right? The, the, the Bible, if you want to go back this week, look at 1 Timothy 3. If you're taking notes this morning, it specifically spells out the biblical qualifications of a deacon. And the New Testament focuses more on the character than of the duties of deacons. That we should be men of character. Our deacons that just came before you, that they should be men of character. They're to be worthy, Scripture tells us, they're to be worthy of respect in their speech, in their use of alcohol, of the handling of finances, in their marriages, and the management of their home. Because listen, and I forgot to say this a minute ago, but listen, it really begins at home. We focus so much on, it's the church's responsibility to disciple my family. No, it's not. It's your own. As a man of God, it is your first and foremost prim primary responsibility and relationship is the Lord Jesus Christ. Then to your spouse, then to your family, then to the church. Don't flip that. Don't flip that. 
God, your wife, your family, the church. I'd like to share very quickly this point. Another pastor I ran across, Ronald George, he shared some points. I love alliteration, y'all know that. So when I saw this, I said, mm, this is good. Got to share this. So really quick, what does it mean to be a deacon? First and foremost, it means to love God. It is to love the Lord above all. We're to be obedient to the call in your life. Deacons, those men that came up, Alex, you are to be, you're to listen to that call of the Lord, the Lord has given you. Y'all, never forget Pastor Jimmy Holly, as I sat under his ministry right before I went into ministry. I never forget, he told me, he said, you know what, you've got elders, pastors, deacons. The call of those two men are, are like right there. And sometimes when I've looked at deacons, I've seen deacons in the community, seen deacons in other churches, I don't know that I've necessarily seen that call. I've seen that character that you should have, just like pastors. That call is right up there. It's right up there. We're to be called by God. We're to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. That's with everything you've got. Then the Lord tells us what? The second commandment is this, is greatest, is that we're to love your neighbor as yourself. As you love others, the funeral that we did this past week for Miss Patsy Aburn was this, and she was a beautiful picture of this. Men, you should be a beautiful picture of this as well. That we're Philippians 2, 3, we'll eventually get there hopefully one day. Philippians 2, 3 says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. It's others before self. It's others. Put others before yourself, before your wants, before your needs. Men, you're to lift your voice in prayer for one another, for your church, for your circle, for your community. Secondly, you need to be praying, or I don't even know what point that is anyway. All right, you're supposed to listen, you're supposed to look. Right, you need to be praying, Lord, give me open ears, open eyes to hear and see you. Give me an opportunity to be a vessel of hope and encouragement today. So we need to listen. We need to look around us and see who needs help. And we need to help some. You're not going to be able to help them all. Andy Stanley says this, do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Like last night, Kendall made all these muffins. Well, I really wanted a muffin. But she might say, well, no, I can't give you a muffin because what if everybody comes and they want one? Well, no, give me a, a you know, serve. Give me a muffin. <laughs> Amen? We can't hold out for the ones that may not be here. It's first come, first serve. By the way, that was quality control. They were right on point, and so, yeah, I wouldn't want you to eat anything I didn't eat, okay? Listen, men, you're to labor for the Lord. You're not working for men. Remember, whatever you do, do as unto the Lord. People need the Lord. They need hope. They need healing in their lives. Are you willing to take him to them? Last but not least, you need to leave the results in the hand of the Lord. He will save, He will change people, and He will multiply and increase the church. It's not for us to do. Acts 16, 14, the Lord opened Lydia's heart to receive the word that Paul would bring. The Philippian church is a, is, is a byproduct of the Lord opened Lydia's heart. Lydia took the word back to Philippi, and that's the church that Paul's writing to. You see, God can do far more abundantly than we ask or think. Last but not least, men, just be faithful. Just be faithful. Be faithful to Christ. Be faithful to your wife. Be faithful to your children. And be faithful to your church. Hebrews eleven six. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. John fifteen four and 5. Abide in me, remain in me, and I in you. 
As the branches cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide, remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides, whoever remains in me, and I am him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. This time I'm going to invite uh, my friend Alex Key down this morning. I want to invite him down. And Alex, as you're coming today, I, I just want to praise, give you uh, a, a, a word of praise. I have seen this young man uh, take next steps to, to and with the Lord over the last few months. Um, he attended a, uh, a, a group of us, Chris Plant, invited us to the East Coast Bible Men's Conference. We went to that. And on the way back home, I'll never forget, I sat in the back seat um, with Alex and his buddy Chris. So there were three Chris's in the car. Imagine that was fun. We never know which Chris they were really talking to until you understood the context. But I'll never forget that Alex sat in the back seat and he said, I want to help other men take a next step toward and with Jesus. Amen? Like his heart was grabbed. Amen? Y'all can give a hand clap of praise to the Lord. Because listen, here's the thing. Here's the thing that we forget, just like Alex. Alex, when you took that next step of faith, were you scared? Yeah. I mean, he was scared, right? And so what you need to begin to pray is, Lord, give me the strength, give me the courage to step out into the unknown, out into the fear, and step past that with an all-knowing God, because God, you know all. And I just need to be obedient to what you're calling me to do. So Alex came back. He gathered a few men. They met in my office for a few weeks. They went through a Bible study. Then it came up, and he was recommended as a potential deacon. And so, Alex, thank you. Thank you for taking that step. Thank you for um, doing that. And also, there was a season in my life in ministry that Alex came along, and he said, I want to be a peacemaker. Praise God for peacemakers. Amen? And so I'm, I'm thankful that in that season of my life, he was praying, and he wanted to be a peacemaker. So I have a charge for Alex really quickly. So Alex, I'm just going to ask you a couple questions. Nothing to be nervous about. So you just, you, yeah, you're shaking. It's all right, bud. We got you, man. All right. Are you sure of your salvation and have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Are you living a committed Christian life? Can you work alongside the pastors and other deacons in a supportive way? Can you keep confidence? And will you commit to helping guard the unity and spirit of harmony among our leaders and people?